Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer. The General. Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome. to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. Utopia Football Podcast Mailbag Edition. It's the Week 15 Mailbag, H-O-U Mailbag at gmail.com. If you're just downloading the podcast for the first time or you're coming in for maybe the first week, the Cowboy game drew you in to our our web of podcasts here. Uh, We appreciate you uh, tuning in, downloading, subscribing, etc. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610 in the mornings. And of course, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing today, man? Sean, I'm doing great. I watched Argentina win 3-0 over Croatia. I'll be watching France and Morocco. Morocco seeing if it can pull off one of the biggest upsets in sports history. I am consumed by the World Cup, and I can't wait till it comes here in four years. Yeah, I can't either. You you do watch a lot of this World Cup soccer, John. Do you do that? Have you done that every World Cup, or is there a particular reason this one's kind of drawn you in? John Lopez used to cover the World Cup for the Chronicle, and I would read John's columns. And then Carol and I started traveling to Europe one year. Right before the World Cup, we were in Italy. Italy won it that year, and people were so excited everywhere you went. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to pay close attention to this. And I've always admired the way people get so behind it. You know, somebody wins the Super Bowl. If it's the Cowboys, they got fans around the country, but not not everybody in the U.S. goes crazy the way they do in the World Cup. And I thought if there's something I haven't covered, I wouldn't want to cover it, but I'd go to as a fan. Uh, I've always thought, you know what, I'd love to be in the World Cup. And now it's coming, and I'm hopefully going to have enough connections to be able to get a couple of tickets. Oh, I th- John, I think you can pull that. If anybody, if you can't pull that off, then there's no tickets available. I'm just going to put it that way. If, if you, I hope people, you're right. If you of all people can't pull that off, then none of us have any hope of getting in any of those games. <laughs> all right. Um, so the mailbag, we got a lot of stuff in here um, having to do with current Texans news that's dropped in the last several hours here. Um, so this is good. We can kind of frame some of the things that we've uh, we've seen reported uh, within the context of questions that some of you have sent uh, to the uh, to the mailbag email address. And again, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com if you're wanting to send us a question. We're getting more and more every week. We love that. 
Um, and of course, the Texans have the Chiefs coming up this Sunday. Tomorrow's episode will be a preview of that Chiefs game um, that we'll get into. And that Chiefs game just got a whole lot harder because Damian Pierce's ankle injury is going to be enough to keep him out for uh, for it looks like for around three games, as many as three games. Who knows? Um, but that leads to this question, John. First question of the mailbag from Bobby Bragg says uh, Pierce looks like he's going to miss around three games. Why play him at all the rest of the season, considering he's had 220 carries so far and the Texans have won one game? What are your thoughts on using this as an opportunity to let Damian Pierce ride off into the sunset after a really, really good rookie year? Bobby, I would say no, no, a thousand times no. And the reason is before training camp, Landry Locker and I had a $100 <laughs> bet in which I bet before camp he'd rush for 1,000 yards. So I can't have him falling short, so I need to make sure Pep Hamilton and Lovey Smith play him. One thing I've learned in decades covering the NFL, nobody has a clue when a guy comes back from my ankle sprain. It could be two weeks, could be three weeks. The one thing is when you have it, it's not going to get better to you have – rest and relaxation and therapy, but you play with it. Now, if their goal is to get the top pick in the draft, which they're going to, keep him out. But the idea of keeping him out, my God, we got to see Rex bleeping Burkhead. And uh, that just makes the rest of the season even less interesting. Yeah. it. I mean, it. Uh, look, Damian Pierce has been one of the few watchable things about this team this year. That said, John, and you know, I, you, you, you know that I love you like a, like a, a brother, an uncle and a father. Um, but um, I'd rather see Damian Pierce not carry the ball anymore. You can, you can spot the hundred bucks if it means Damian Pierce not taking any more uh, carries this year. I don't need to see him carry the ball anymore for this janky team. Boy, but then Landry would get over on me. I, I know, John. I know. I know. You, you Put know him I'm... back in. Give him 30 <laughs> carries in the last game. Yeah, when John, he gets 1,000, then pull him out. John, I now look, if you didn't have this bet, would you say that the right, the, the pragmatic thing to do is to let him just go ahead and take his 220 carries and start getting ready for next year? Of course. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to make sure that I know the motivation. Um, all right, next one. Sam and West U. Do the Texans roll with this two QB system the rest of the season? Thoughts, Sam, John? Sam, they'd be stupid not to. After the game, Lovey Smith talked about how well the offense worked, kept them off balance. He said nothing but good things. And when they say you're going to keep doing it, uh, we'll evaluate it and see. Of course they're going to keep doing it. How foolish would it be to go back to Davis Mills? I like it. It puts a little more interest in it. You know, I think that when your running backs are Dari Gumbawale and Rex Burkhead, they should have Mills at quarterback, move Driscoll to running back, and just pitch the ball to Driscoll and let him run right or left because <laughs> he runs better than the running backs on their roster. I I just can't believe Nick Casario and Lovey Smith couldn't find a better backup running back. But I would certainly uh, stick with the two quarterbacks because at least when Driscoll is on the move, he got a, two options there. You know, Mills is fine, but when he runs, it's like he's running in cement. So keep him in there and uh, let him see what they can do for another week. Should they have just run Driscoll four times down inside the five-yard line, John, against the Cowboys on Sunday? Absolutely they should have. That was some of the worst play calling since I, since they were inside the five against the Browns and didn't score. It's 
It's not just the play call, it's the personnel. Yes. Have Burkett in there. Burkett, two carries, he loses yards on that drive. He had lost yards on his own carry earlier. And then uh, on the last play, it was going to be an option for Driscoll to keep it or pitch it to bleeping Burkhead. Give yeah. me a break. It was Pep Hamilton's best game until the last five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. These guys just can't stay out of their own way. I, I looked, I looked up Rex Burkhead's game log, John. He had had two carries since before Halloween. Like he had had two carries, like not in a game, not in multiple games. He had carried the ball on a running play twice coming into Sunday's game since week seven against the the Raiders really like basically since the bye week um he had carried the ball two times and he carried it twice on the most I'll call it the most important series of the year because look let's face it they haven't had many important series of downs this was going to be a game clinching touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys as a 17 and a half point underdog I got to go back to that first game when he had more carries than Pierce, even though everybody in the world knew Pierce was better than Burkhead and should be getting the bulk of the carries. I'm going to start there. I'm going to look at every carry and see what percentage of his carries negative yards. Oh, yeah, John. I, you know, I look at the pro football focus scores, and you can take them with a grain of salt. You know, these are just subjective scores from guys judging the game, basically, like it's a beauty contest. Um, but Rex, there's 63 running backs that have played enough snaps to qualify uh, for ranking on Pro Football Focus, and of the 63, Burkhead is currently ranked 56th. I need to know who these. My other God, seven. who are the other backs? I don't know. I need to look it up, John. I don't know who the seven are that are worse than Rex Burkhead, but I'm. I have to assume they don't have both legs. I have to assume that it's seven amputees. That are uh, that are that have been picked up by NFL teams and are are being played regular snaps. Maybe Eno Benjamin and uh, Dario Mumbale. <laughs> maybe, maybe um, Eno Eno waved today too, John. By the way, uh, thoughts on the Eno Benjamin era? None. <laughs> yeah, you know it was nice knowing you. Yeah. Uh, all right, next one, John uh, Scott and Magnolia. If you could pick one game for the Texans to win the rest of the way, I like this one because I put up a poll about this one. Well, I think we may have done this question last week, John, and the answer was Dallas. So now that the Dallas game is over, Scott says, if you could pick one game for the Texans to win the rest of the way, just one, which one would it be and why? Well, first of all, if they beat Jacksonville, it's 10 in a row. But the former Oilers, that's the one that they always want to win. They won up there last year. They lost here. They lost here this year. They were abused and embarrassed. Winning up there would be the one that I would like to see them pull off. Yeah, see, mine's Jacksonville still. I think when we did this last week, I said Jacksonville. So it remains Jacksonville for me, and it's purely because of the streak. And I love when they post the graphic during the games of when there's one of these teams playing. You know, when there's one of these matchups where there's a long winning streak going on between the two teams, I love the fact that, like, you, you have – Two like really good teams with long winning streaks. You know, it's probably like a Patriots winning streak in there and like a Packers or whatever. And then the Chiefs and the Broncos is number two. Chiefs and Broncos. Okay. Do the Texans have the number one one right now? No, no, no. They would be. I don't know. After I think it's 10. Okay. okay. Chiefs and Broncos got like 13 and the okay. Patriots have 14 and the Texans have nine. Okay. Gotcha. I knew they had, I knew the Texans had nine. And I, I think that's the third longest. It's enough to show up on a graphic showing the longest winning streaks. 
And considering the fact that this is a current winning streak and the Texans have been the worst version of themselves over the last two years plus, it's remarkable that they've got a two-game winning streak over another NFL franchise, let alone a nine-game winning streak. I need this to continue, John. And the fact that the Texans have been so bad and the fact that they lost on Sunday to the Cowboys still leaves us with one mulligan. They can still win one game and not botch getting the number one overall pick in the draft. I got a quiz for you. What team is allowed the fewest touchdown passes in the NFL? Uh, I'm going to guess it's the Houston Texans because we're on a Texans podcast, and that's why you're asking me right now. That's true. I wrote about it yesterday, tweeted about it. It's unbelievable. And believe it or not, they have not allowed the most rushing touchdowns, even hmm. though their last four teams that have allowed more rushing touchdowns. But isn't that unbelievable? It- it is. I, they've been really good in the red zone this year, John. For whatever reason, like they're they're pretty much bad at everything, uh, but their red zone defense has been very solid this year, legit solid. Too so, bad it hadn't translated to another win or two. Nope, nope. You're right about that, but it'll all pay off at draft time. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, um, next one, John, female representation, Marion Shenandoah. We've already seen Carolina and Indianapolis fire their head coaches. Each season, there's at least a half dozen head coaches who get fired. So if your life depended on getting it right, who would be the next four? Who would be the four head coaches you're certain would get fired to round out the half dozen? So we know Carolina and Indy are both on interims right now. You got to pick four teams, John, other than Carolina and Indy, that are going to fire their coach, and your life depends on it. Who are the four? Well, uh, Lovey Smith, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Brandon Staley, if he doesn't make the playoffs, they just won. They got a good chance to beat the Titans, but I've heard. And, of course, Nathaniel Hackett will be number one. That would be four. Okay. Yeah, but you added a caveat to that one, John, if they miss the playoffs. Like, you got to – Okay, forget about Brandon Staley. You're going to make me think about this for a minute. Not the NFC East, not in the uh, nothing. It's not Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay. Not going to happen there. Not going to happen in. uh, I'm. They change coaches. I'm. I'll tell you, guy. Whoever, whoever, Sean Payton wants to coach for that that coach is out yeah that's a good one I, you know john that that's i'll let you uh, i'll let you off the hook with that one I, you know speaking of peyton the one i was going to suggest to you dennis allen in new orleans he would be i you know dennis allen was fired after two years and two four 12 records with the raiders but he's a really good defensive coach 
I just didn't see it him being elevated unless he was going to be a placeholder and Sean Payton was going to come back with a new quarterback like Tom Brady. Brady's a free agent, but right now I don't see how he can play next year. He's been so mediocre. And uh, but uh, Dennis Allen could be a one and done. The only one and done, I'm sure, of course, is Nathaniel Hackett, and then I think Lovey will be too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. Uh, it really is amazing that the, the Lovey thing unraveled as quickly as it did after the bye week. Um, all right, uh, next. Oh, what about McDaniel's, John? Do you think Josh McDaniel survives this year? Uh, Mark Davis is the nincompoop a lot of the times. He paid him a lot of money. They've blown big leads, double digits in the fourth quarter. I think they'll get rid of Derek Carr and keep Josh McDaniels and give him a chance to develop his own quarterback. Okay. Next one, John. This is from Charles Honeycutt. Um, I know everyone is talking about our top need as a franchise quarterback. My question is outside of that position, what are the other top needs we need to address this offseason? What do you think? Last year, John, whenever they, they did those mock drafts or they do a draft analysis, the Texans were the one team that when they list a few needs – um, they just said everything. And yeah, like, honestly, you could have picked anything with the third overall pick. As long as it was a player that deserved to get picked third, it didn't matter what the position was. They needed everything. I would say the needs are a little more, like slightly more acute. Like, I don't think they're going to draft a corner or anything with those with one of those first two picks, it wouldn't seem, um, or somebody in the secondary. But I, you tell me, John, what do you think of the outside of quarterback? What are the primary needs that uh, that they would address? A defensive tackle like Jalen Carter, who they think is the best defensive tackle prospect in a couple of decades, and a pass rusher, edge rusher like Will Anderson Jr., who I met at the Lombardi Banquet and interviewed about Bryce Young, and I'm going to do a column about him at some point, about why he thinks Young will be a great quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I don't think if you're picking first overall – if you're going to take a game-changing pass rusher or a defensive lineman who can stuff the run, playing next to Malik uh, Collins that they desperately need, Jonathan Bernard been hurt two years in a row. They had such high hopes for him, and maybe he'll bounce back. Jerry Hughes will be 34. He, both of those guys are franchise tackle, franchise outside rusher. You don't need an offensive tackle. You don't need a wide receiver. You don't need – a running back, but quarterback, if it's Nick Casario, based on what we know of him, I could see Nick, if he wanted a quarterback, trading down, putting himself in position to get a quarterback like Bryce Young. There's going to be quite a few prospects. And then using that extra pick on a, on a pass rusher or a defensive tackle before he gets around to the Browns pick that I think has a good chance that's going to be a big-time playmaking wide receiver, which is something else they desperately need. Oh, and of course they need a tight end. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Todd McShay did his first mock draft today with the Texans picking first and 12th. And he's got uh, Bryce Young going first and he's got Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame going to them at 12th. He's really, really good. Yep. And uh, I'll be surprised if they don't use one of their first round picks on a, on a guy for the defensive line and a wide receiver and address tight end later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. They just don't uh, use a tight end. Now the new staff, maybe they will. Well, John, maybe the new coach, whoever it is, is a little more inclined to get the tight end involved in the passing game. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, if it's somebody from the Kubiak tree, the Kubiak-Shanahan-McVay tree, 
I mean, they make hay running those crossers with the tight end. You know, the bootleg, fake one way, come back the other. I mean, Owen Daniels made millions of dollars running wide-ass wide open across the middle of the field on those bootleg plays in the Kubiak offense. Pep Hamilton's done a terrible job of utilizing Jordan Akins, who's made so many good plays. He should be touched the ball five or six times a game. Yep, no doubt. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from one alternate routes as former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus all right um next one john this is from edmund hack and he says there is a lot of discussion about lovey smith being fired which given the team's performance is not unusual there's also some discussion that nick casario needs to go because quote the texans are so dysfunctional end quote now that they got rid of jack easterby isn't most of the dysfunction gone from the building absolutely if you go on gallerysports.com i wrote a column last week you can click on my name and it'll put it up there, and I go into great detail about why it'd be stupid to fire Casario, who hadn't been on the job even two years, and was given the task of tearing it down and starting over. That'd just be preposterous to fire him at this point. Um, And Dave Howard actually has a follow-up that involves Easterby. Um, says after listening to the uh, Pain and Pendergast program with the with the excerpts of the Easterby interview, um, of course that was the podcast that he did with Thomas Dimitrov and that uh, Ager fellow from uh, from PFF. Uh, Easterby did a long interview with those guys, and Seth and I played um, excruciating excerpts from that interview. Um, Dave says I'm scared to death about the future of the Texans after listening to those excerpts. Apparently, Cal McNair bought into that nonsense. Uh, I remember him talking about a flat organizational structure with sub programs and wondered what the hell is he talking about? Can we make Hannah the CEO of the team? <laughs> One time, Bill O'Brien, he didn't do this on his own. He was made to do it or suggested to do it. Bring all the media into the auditorium, put things up on screens and show us what their plans were and how they operated. It looked like a family tree. Mm-hmm. He had all these different sub this, sub that. Bill would talk. Jack would bobble his head up and down. I thought, what in the world are they talking about? I still don't know. <laughs> Did you listen to that interview, John, that that Easterby, or the excerpts from it at least that we played? Uh, no, I have no interest in hearing anything about Easterby or from Easterby. John, it's remarkable. Like the, his barrage of buzzwords that he uses, I mean, he just makes no sense. It's it really, I, I think it, Dave. I mean, Dave's right. It's it, it is a pretty terrifying thing to listen to these this Easterby interview and think, man, somebody bought into that. Wow. Al um, McNair bought into it. Janice McNair bought into it, and the way they bought into it, he came here with a specific role 
that they wanted for him, which is the same thing he did at New England mm -hmm. as an advisor, a spiritual advisor for players and coaches, obviously came in with the goal of taking over an organization. Yeah. So what he became is not what he was hired for, but they're the one that gave him the power and they got rid of him. I can't believe somebody interviewed him to talk about roster building and drafting and developing talent and stuff. That's like, unbelievable. Why? He had nothing to do with making personnel decisions. But even if he did, they were all horrible decisions that were made while he was in the building. Like, so he either had nothing to do with it or he was the overseer or at least a contributor to one of the biggest roster decimations and salary cap decimations in the history of the sport. Like, yeah, he negotiated contracts, but he didn't, couldn't make coach coaches determine who plays who calls the plays? The yep. GM is the one that determines who's drafted. And he could get in there and think, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Most of the time, they just let it go in one ear and out the other. But when he was the interim GM and he and Bill O'Brien were negotiating contracts, that was great for Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, Whitney Merciless, and a couple others, but not so – well, I can't say that. They let – uh, Tyron Matthew get away. They let uh, DJ Reader get away. And both those guys are a whole lot better off. No doubt. Uh, all right, John, uh, Dave in Buffalo, so he gives us a non-Texans question, which I'm cool with. Did you guys see Baker Mayfield's performance last Thursday as a fluke, or will Baker Mayfield have a career revival? What did you think of Baker last week, and where do you think he goes from here? Cleveland gave up on him. Carolina gave up on him. He did a tremendous job. Peter King had a lot of insight on his Monday morning Football America column in which he talked to Mayfield who thought he was going to be claimed by the Rams and was at the Charlotte airport with a ticket to go there, even though nobody had told him he was. It was from a conversation he and McVay had for three and a half hours on a cross-country fight before he was drafted and uh, turned out to be right. They sent him a brief game plan in which he couldn't get the Wi-Fi to work, so it didn't, and he and he he was great, and I wish him the very best. But man, everybody thinking he's revived his career after coming off the bench once. I want to see it a little more. Yeah, no, I do too. How did they wind up on a plane next to each other, John? Were they like flying home from the combine or something, or was it a coincidence? It, it was uh, no, it was coming back from the combine, and the Rams coaches were in first half class and Mayfield is walking by to go to coach and Mayfield's I mean McVeigh asked him if he can talk to him, introduce himself. McVeigh makes one of his coaches get up, go back and sit in Mayfield's coach seat. And they talked all the way. And he talked to him about Lincoln Riley, about himself. He knew he had no chance to get him, but uh it impressed the heck out of Baker Mayfield about McVeigh and then it impressed McVeigh about Mayfield. Do you think McVay's coaching the Rams this time next year? Or is I he do. in TV? You he do? signed a huge contract after that Super well, Bowl. But you no, know, I get it. But the TV is ready to – I mean, TV's ready to fork up for him too, supposedly. I mean, TV, yeah. that's, TV money's getting big. You better – if you're going to go into TV, you better strike while the iron's hot. I don't know if he'd get the same money now that he would have gotten last year when he used TV to get a new contract – with the Rams. He's a coach. Coaches yeah. want to coach. He don't want to go out with a season like this. He no. wants to prove they can bounce back. Yep. I agree. Um, all right. Last one, John, uh, this is from Chris in the ATL it says, I feel like the Texans are Clark Griswold and Christmas vacation. No matter what they do, everything falls apart. Giving Rex Burkhead multiple carries inside the five for negative three yards. 
is like the latter scene when Clark starts hanging lights. Love that scene because it's hilarious and a simple metaphor of, quote, this will end poorly. So my question to you both, since it's the holidays and this football season sucks, what is your all-time favorite scene from a Christmas movie and why? Or if you can't pick one scene, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Well, I'll tell you one that gets me every year, and I watched it for the first time like 50 years ago, but now Carol watches it almost every night. And uh, I'm talking about serious Christmas movies, not yeah. Home Alone, which is one of the all-time great. But when Ben Crosby sings White Christmas at the end and all the soldiers are there for the general, they've come to support him and raise money. There's no way I could see watching that scene. If you've watched the whole movie mm-hmm. and not get teary eyed over white Christmas. Okay. Well that my, mine is, mine is a, a more, it's a lighter moment than that one. Though that one is great, John. That's a good answer. Um, I love the, uh, the dinner scene in elf when Will Ferrell is having dinner with his family and his new brother for the first time. And he's putting syrup on his spaghetti and he's drinking the entire two liter Coke. And pretty much any scene in Elf where Will Ferrell is eating things is hilarious to me, where he's taking the the sugar cereal and the chocolate syrup and he's putting it on top of spaghetti and he's scooping it up with both hands and eating it. I laugh every time. I laugh every time at that one. And the scene where Peter Dinklage is the little author that they bring in to pitch his book and Will Ferrell keeps asking him how he made it there from the North Pole and Peter Dinklage's character is like, call me elf one more time and i'm you know and it gets up on the table and he's running after him i love elf elf is my favorite christmas movie i've got my favorite is bad santa with with billy bob thornton which is filthy from start to finish yeah carol will not watch it if i have it on but i think my favorite line in my favorite christmas movie that wasn't released until 1988 Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Mm -hmm. John, you'll like this. uh, Die Hard, of course, for those who don't know what John's talking about. Um, Amy and I, this past Saturday, we went to 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, we went to the IPIC over on Westheimer. Have you been to the IPIC over there? I have been there. It's nice. Um, Yes, it is. We went there 3 o'clock to watch Elf, and then we came home, watched Yellowstone that we missed last week, and then went over to the rooftop cinema over in Post Oak. Have you been there? Uh, yes, I have. We watched Die Hard there at 8.30. So in the same day, we went to the IPIC for Elf. And then that night, we went Die Hard outdoors on top of the building. And it was fun. That was a fun day. While you were doing that, I, Carol and I spent over six hours at O'Connor Sports Bar and Pub watching World Cup. Oh, I love that too. That's a, John, we're spending time with our brides. That's That makes us, this, this time of year, that's good mojo, I tells you. Well, only way I get to spend time with Carol if it's something that she likes. So she likes going to soccer during the World Cup. Otherwise, if I suggest something other than a movie, but she likes the World Cup and I do too. And it's kind of become a family tradition. And I'm glad it's this time of year. Yeah. You know, they had to do it because Qatar, the heat over there is unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it's all worked out really well. I still don't like their third Qatar with all the human rights violations, but I think the tournament has come off as a great success. Yeah, I like having sports on during the morning and the day. That's fun for me. I like I I like that. Hey, real quick, John, because I know you I know you got uh you got hits that you need to do. It's your busy day. Um, are you as frustrated with Yellowstone as I am right now? 
uh, yeah, I'm ready for some action. I'm tired of that idiot Jamie falling for women and everybody yeah. watching knows he's cut such a cliche. Always wanting to grow some footballs with his sister and don't let her push him around the way. I'll tell you, I'm just tired. It's like O'Billions. I'm so tired of every year Chuck's fighting with, if it was uh, uh, the guy that left, I forgot, Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis. Now, now he's got a new guy. Just give us something different. When Chuck and Damian Lewis were on the best side, I thought that was the best year of billions. And in this one, I want something new besides people trying to grab their land. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's frustrating. And, and billions, I totally forgot about billions. John, the first few seasons of Billions were amazing, and I'm not even in on it now. Like I don't. Oh, it was t- tremendous. I've stopped watching it. I'm like two seasons removed from when I used to from when I used to watch it. It was so so good. Uh, yeah, it, I, I think you and I established this. This is this this podcast is a podcast where we like two things on our shows: sex and violence, and they're not giving us nearly enough of either of those things in Yellowstone these days. Well. At some point, HBO will rerun the Game of Thrones. And then we'll get our sex and violence back, I tell you. Absolutely. Well, it was House of the Dragon that you and I were getting frustrated with just uh, like, hey, it's all this lineage and all this. Too much talking. Yeah, exactly. Let's get back to whooping some ass. Let me tell you something. And now that we're talking about sex and violence, there was a show lasting four years on Friday nights on Cinemax called, called Banshee, B-A-N-S-H-E-E, uh, a town in Pennsylvania in the middle of Amish country. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Anytime it's run again, I watch it. Carol liked it. Just like when I started watching Sons of Anarchy, she, she yawned. And when I got her watch one now, she's got saved the last episode so she can see Charlie Hunnam, poor guy, get killed over and over and over. But Banshee, <laughs> If you if you and Amy look it up sometime on Netflix and start with the first episode yeah. of Banshee, it is the most underrated TV show I've ever seen. Okay, it sucks you in right away. There's no like right away. Period. Okay, right away. Because I because people were telling me Succession, you got to watch Succession, and I got four episodes in. I'm like, I'm bored. I Do got something. bored with it too, and I haven't been back. But yep. Banshee, you have to be there for the first episode because it establishes the plot line for the next four years and you talk about violent Mm. they would spend two weeks on a fight scene they had the best fight scene i've ever seen is on Mm. cinemax said some of the best sex scenes and they had actors if you see them now you go oh that person's on this that person's okay so it had a lot of a lot of people who wound up doing some big things huh absolutely just like sons of anarchy okay good stuff all right that's it there you go a john mcclain recommendation i've heard you talk about banshee before all right that may need to be a when we prioritize during our time off yes, on the holidays. Yes, you should. Yep. And it's only four seasons? Only four seasons. Okay, that's good. All right, um, John, we are done. Anything you want to get out to the people before you got to get out and go do your, your the, the latest in your series of media hits today? On sportsradio610.com, I will have in the morning uh, observations about the Texans. And uh, I think I'm going to write a pro football playoff column for Gallery Sports considering I just shredded the Texans because of the last five minutes. And uh, thank you very much. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Same to you, John. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 8 o'clock. I'm, well, actually, it, it's, we're recording this on Tuesday, full disclosures. But I'll talk to you uh, Wednesday morning on Payne and Pendergast. And then you and I will be uh, dropping our episode on Thursday, previewing the Chiefs game this weekend. So I look forward to 
uh, doing all of these things with you over the next 24 hours or so. And we appreciate all of you for tuning into the podcast again, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to send in a question to the next, to next week's mailbag episode, as Christmas gets closer and closer, we will be doing episodes for the most part throughout the holiday season. Um, so, uh, send us uh, a question, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to all of you. And thank you to all of you for downloading, sharing, subscribing, and giving us a five-star review. We appreciate all of you for that. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you tomorrow for a preview of Week 15's game between the Texans and the Chiefs. Have a great day, everybody.